praising the name of the Lord will, will look different for each one of us. And so my life experience has led me to a place of praising God the way that I do. And so I'm not asking anything of you guys except for to acknowledge that in your own life and praise the name of the Lord however you, however you see fit, however you do that. But we're going to praise the Lord with all we have because he's worthy. So we're going to sing it. Come to the end of self. 
arms are open wide, that we can come to you if we're hurting, if, if we've just come through something, or if we're in the midst of it right now, Father, that, that we can come to you, praise your name, regardless, because you're worthy. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and we pray in his name, amen. Well, good morning, church. And I was like, I'm down here, what's happening? Oh, just wait. No, it's going to be good. We're so thankful that you're here. We're excited about what God's going to do in this place this morning. Already last service and last night we've had powerful services. So we're really excited that you're here. And um, just as, as you pass the friendship folders, if you're brand new with us, please find us at the Next Steps area. We'd love to give you something for free and get to know your story. And even just to say, hey, you know, how's things going? You know, whatever we can do to help serve you and your family, or if it's just you today, whatever that looks like, we're just excited about you. And uh, one other thing I want to highlight is we've had this, we have this incredible opportunity here as a church to be for our community. What I mean by that is to be in the corner for so many people in our, in our communities. And so this past Tuesday night was the first of many that's going to run all the way through the end of August is a car cruise. How many got to check out the car cruise on Tuesday? A couple of you. Yeah, it was great. And what's really exciting about it is we literally just say, hey, open up our parking lot and people show up. Claysville, Hickory, like people are showing up, just found out about it that morning and showed up that evening. And so I'd encourage you all to check it out. Five to nine and Hal said we need cookies. So if you want to bake cookies and bring cookies, we would appreciate that so that we can use those for that night. So we're really excited. There's a DJ, there's food. It's just fun. So Tuesdays, every Tuesday, weather permitting from five to nine right here. Uh, in our parking lot. So we're really excited about that. So just as much as we are for our community, we want to know that from when you get here, when you pull in that street off of, off of 88 on Walter Long and you come up here, we are excited that you're here. Do we have that picture, Suze? Can we throw up that picture? So I want to say a shout out to our fifth and sixth graders. Yep. Because they had a sleepover last night. Actually, they had, I don't know. They had a, a night over, and it was great. And just seeing them out this morning and serving and just being a smiling face, you know, that can be the difference for somebody. Maybe just even reading that sign that says today is a good day. It's like, yeah, maybe today could be a good day. So we're just really excited about that. And if you're like, man, I could wave a sign. You can do a lot of things here. Watch this video, and we're going to talk about a really exciting opportunity we have. Now what you hear is not a test, I'm rocking to the beat, and me, the groove, and the press are gonna try to move your feet. See, I am Wonder Mike, and I'd like to say hello. that video like 25 times because it just makes you smile, it makes you laugh, and that shows a little snapshot, kind of, sort of, maybe, what's going on downstairs right now. So 
I want to share something with you. What we do downstairs matters. I went to a conference a couple years back, and it helped to kind of change the way I was thinking about, you know, especially with trying to invite you to be a part of the team and a part of somebody's story. And basically the theme was Monday is coming. So I want to challenge you, like, what are you doing on church on Sunday that's going to make a difference in a kid's life on Monday? And that's really, really what we're doing down there is we're sharing Jesus and we're equipping them. And so, yes, I want you to be a part of that story and because um, Monday is coming. And the kids need to have that foundation when they go out there and they leave these doors. And that's what we're sharing down there. And I also remember, like, it might have been maybe four years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Rhonda and I would literally be downstairs praying over the rooms. There were like, I don't know, one or two babies in the nursery. And we prayed and we prayed and we would be down there weekly. And guess what? God is moving in this church. And that is so cool. It's an answer to prayer. But with that being said, we need more hands. And please, please don't think because you don't have a degree in teaching or you don't have 25 years experience working with children, or maybe you don't even have children. God's going to equip you. And then we act shocked like, I didn't realize that it would be like that. Well, because you're not God, and he can do that. And so I want you to be a part of our team. Please don't make me sing Katy Perry next week because I got something for you. It's coming. So please come to my meeting tonight. Just see. I'm not asking you to sign your life away, but I do want you to see what it, it does matter. And be committed to these kids. Show up weekly. Be a part of our team and share Jesus with them. That's what we're asking. So just come check it out. If there's even a little hint that God's moving in your life saying, you know what, you should probably go check that, that meeting out. Just come. Because we, we want to share what we do on Sundays, on Wednesdays, and also Amped coming up for VBS. So if you're curious in the least, I am inviting you to come tonight in the canopy room downstairs, 630. Thank you. Can we just thank God for Courtney? Yeah, I love it. So as the, as the ushers come forward for our morning offering, I just want to just take all of that and, and, the, and our fifth and sixth graders serving outside and the car crews and just think about all those things. Our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. No matter what angle you look at your life, whether in your best or in your mess, we all need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we thank you so much for just for being, being the one who came after us kicking down the walls, shining light on the darkest part, the darkest parts of talking, the darkest parts of our lives, God, just to get to us. God, your love for us is fierce. God, it is it is ever pursuing. It is just amazing and it's nonstop. It's overwhelming. And so God, I just think about this morning about this opportunity that we have to invest. Not just teach but to invest, to invest in this generation. God, I am humble before you now, God, to just say, I grew up never knowing a day that we didn't hear about Jesus, and I want that for these kids, because I know many people in this room, that wasn't the experience. And so, God, may we join as a church in force to steward these many children that you've given to us. God, we're humbled. We truly are, and we sit under your grace. So, God, we give now to the mission 
to see Jesus' name made famous in Finleyville, in our city of Pittsburgh, God, in this country. God, we are so excited that you are on the move. God, we can rollerblade in church for crying out loud because we're excited that you're doing something powerful. And so, God, we sing to you, we give to you now. We're excited. Even when we don't feel excited, God, we can be excited because you're ever moving, ever loving, and ever pursuing of us broken people. Thank you for loving us first, Jesus. We love you. Amen. So we're just going to sing His name is worthy. It's a beautiful thing that the King wants to hear you sing, so we're going to lift His name up.
we adore your name, soften our hearts as we hear your word and dig just a little bit deeper and ask that God, you reveal just a little bit more of yourself to us. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, in his name. Amen. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's give God a hand, man. Great worship. Great worship time. Thank God for our worship team and just all that God's doing in the church right now. You know, we have uh, so many people. So many of our people this morning are down at the marathon, the uh, Pittsburgh Marathon. Uh, Eric McIlvaney, who spoke as part of our Collide series a few weeks ago. Remember, he lost his leg on, on, when he stepped on an IED in Afghanistan. He's running in the Pittsburgh Marathon this morning. I know that Pete and, Pete and Bethany Dugdale are down there running. And uh, my daughter, Carissa, is down there running. So last I checked, she was on mile 15. I have this app that tracks her, you know. And so it, it's kind of cool. You can, you can watch them on the map and all that. But every mile, all of a sudden, it makes these bells go off, all right? And, uh, and so I had it up here with me on the podium in the first service, and, uh, and I, I had it on mute. You know how you mute the speaker? Well, the speaker is muted, and the app overrode the mute. And I'm up here speaking, and all of a sudden it goes, bing! So that phone was escorted out of the building. So, <clears throat> so um, um, I, I'm hoping that her pace slows down so that afterwards I can get down to the finish line. She said, Dad, of all the people in the world, you're, you're, the one, you're one of the few people I want there. I was like, well, I'm glad I'm one of the few, you know? But uh, she wants me to be there, so I'm going to slide down there. Uh, hopefully she gets done by 2, and I'll be able to have lunch down there, right? So it'll be great. But we're, I'm thanking God. You know, as we've been on this journey, we're, we're looking at people's stories. We've been, we've been talking about Collide and how the God's story has collided with your story. You're living life. You're trying to just move forward. You're trying to function. And then all of a sudden, God says, I'm, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to intercede. You're looking at your life. You think you've got it figured out. And all of a sudden, you have that moment when God says, okay, I've got your plan. I have something bigger than what you can accomplish in your life. It's something that I'm going to draw attention to, that I'm going to work in your life. Uh, one girl in our, one young lady in our life group the other night, she said that she was sitting at Eaton Park one day, and all of a sudden, the, it hit her. Man, my life is empty, and I need God. And I, I'm like, how cool is that, that, that God would do that? And, and so everybody has a story. I want to replay this morning. Um, some of you were here the week that uh, Christian was baptized. Christian Safinski came on a Saturday night and, uh, and started coming, and, and his life's been changed. I think he's back in our tech booth helping out. Let's give him a hand, man. We thank God for Christian. <clears throat> so uh, as, as we start this morning, I want you just to hear Christian's story. It's uh, just a few moments. We, if you were here for his baptism, you saw it, but many weren't, so I want everybody to get a chance to see this. So my name is Christian Stefinski. I grew up in project neighborhoods around drugs or violent type area. Church was never really a thing where I grew up, so I didn't understand it. And I was driving past and I seen this church up on the hill and I just turned up one day and just sat in the parking lot and talked to God. And I just felt such a presence, a good presence. And so I came back and I did it again. I sat in the parking lot again. And finally I 
grew enough courage just to walk in and I listened to Ken talk and while he was speaking I just like felt something and while I was listening everything made sense it just hit me like right there is when it just took me it just changed my life it took one time for it to change my life I felt hopeless at one point and now I just know that none of that actually matters. It's all part of his plan. Like everything that happened then just brought me here. So I just kept coming, kept coming, and I built a relationship with God and it just completely changed my life. From who I was before and who I am now are just two totally different people. So I mean, I would say that to anybody, you know, if anybody's first time coming in or anything just to sit and actually listen you know because if you actually do sit and listen it will make sense and god will connect with you like he already is you know but just build a relationship with him and just understand it doesn't matter where you came from it doesn't matter who you are what you've done he's going to forgive you for anything that you have done or he's not going to judge you for where you are from and he's going to accept you and I found that out very quick, and I met some incredible people on this journey. The day I came in, I met Luke, and he was so inviting. Then he introduced me to you, and you explained stuff when I first met you, and that's the first time I ever opened up about any of my problems, you know, and I think that was God's work. Like, everything that I've seen, done, it's just all brought me here. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm just, I'm getting baptized because I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross and he was with me this whole time. He's doing work on my heart right now to fix everything. And how he changed my life completely to follow Christ and just become a part of the whole family, which I'm already starting to do because Growing up, I wasn't the best kid, and the person I am now, he completely changed me, and it's a great journey. I just can't be more grateful for that. And we, we are so thrilled. Christian's helping out. He's jumping in, and, and you, know, you heard it. His life's changed. And so, you know, he came in, he, he prayed to receive the Lord as his Savior in one of our services. And God's transforming his life. God is doing that. The, those are modern-day miracles. I believe that God is doing miracles today. You know, when Jesus turned water into wine, that was pretty cool. But when he transformed somebody's life, that was the biggest miracle. And that's what Jesus is still in the business of doing today. He still is transforming lives, and we're seeing it. And that's just one of the many. You know, for the past few weeks, we've had different speakers. We had Eric McIlvaney shared his story of how God collided into his life. And then we had Daniel and Anita Gonzalez from Ecuador and how, how exciting that was. And, and then last week, I was away. I was in Atlanta and uh, spending some time with some friends down there. And we had, uh, we had Pastor Al. Wasn't it great to see Pastor Al back in action, you know? Give God a hand for that, man. That's exciting. 
Pastor Al battled uh, with dystonia, and God's, we're, seeing, we're seeing a lot of progress with his, with his battle with dystonia. And, and then Adam sharing his story. Man, powerful. Wasn't it powerful? You just hear the, 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 the display of God's power. And then somebody asked me this week, they're like, so who's speaking this week? I'm like, it's just me, guys, all right? So I'm back in action. Uh, today, as, as we share, I'm, as we wrap up this series on, on Collide, I want you to be thinking about how your life has collided, and we're going to look at how to protect your life, um, how, how to put some roadblocks up so that, so that because there, there's a spiritual warfare. You know, there, there, God has a plan for your life, and, and you had a plan for your life, but God interceded, and he said, all right, I've got something bigger than you could even imagine, but there's also somebody else that's trying to mess with the plan, it's called Satan. And there's a spiritual warfare that takes place every day in our life. And there's a battle for good and a battle for evil every day of your life. And so today as we look at this, I want to look at how Jesus collided with Satan. And when Jesus collided with Satan, I want to tell you today that, uh, that, that, that Satan lost. Satan lost when Jesus went to the cross. He, he, he paid for your soul. He ransomed your soul once for all forever. But when he rose from the dead on Easter, man, he changed your world. He puts Satan to his place. And Satan has no power over sin. Uh, Satan has no power over you, okay? Satan, Satan has power, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus has greater power. So I, I don't like to talk about Satan too much, but I want us to know that he, he has a strategy. He has some schemes. And so we're going to be looking, our main text for today is going to be over in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be looking at how Jesus collided with Satan in the wilderness and, uh, and how, that the, how that he was tempted by, by, by Satan himself. But uh, I want to set this up a little bit because here's what happened. Jesus had been born of a virgin, uh, lived a ver- uh, perfect life, and now he's roughly about 30 years old. And he, he goes and he, he gets baptized. And, uh, and, and you say, well, why would Jesus get baptized? Because he was identifying with the movement of God. He was identifying with God's work. That's why we get baptized. We, it's an outward sign of an inward decision. And Christian was baptized a few weeks ago. We've got a few other people getting baptized on weeks to come. It's just been exciting as we watch that. But baptism, you know, Jesus got baptized. And so he was, he was God in the flesh. And so if he did it, then we should do it too. We, we should be baptized. But baptism doesn't get you to heaven. It's, the water's of baptism. I tell everybody, that's, that's just good old Mon- Monongahela tap water coming out of there, right? Right? You know, Mon Valley tap water that we put in that tub. And, uh, and, and, but it's an outward sign of this inward decision that you're a follower of Christ. And look what happened on Jesus' baptism day. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove, uh, like, like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. So, so he gives us this. He says, You know, in you I am well pleased. That, this is a big day for Jesus. The Father in heaven has come out and has said that, he says that in, in Jesus, I am pleased. And I want you to think about that because as a child of God, that's what God says about us. In, in you, I am pleased because you are my child, not because of something that we have done. We're, we, God is pleased with us because of what Jesus did on that cross. And, uh, and here was a big day for Jesus. The, 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 the spirit comes down in a, in a dove, and it's, he says, the father says, you are my beloved son, I am well pleased. And what was happening, though, he, he was about ready to start his public ministry. 
And as Jesus wanted to start his public ministry, you would ask yourself, well, you know, wouldn't you go out and go preach a big sermon first to start your public ministry? You know, this is, this is God in the flesh, and he, he's starting his public ministry. And we see the Sermon on the Mount, but that wasn't the first thing that he did. We see his first miracle was when he turned water into wine, but that wasn't the very first thing of his public ministry. The very first thing of Jesus' public ministry, he gets baptized, and then he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. As he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, um, he's tempted by the devil. And so we see the first thing he does is he shows us the schemes of the devil and how that you can overcome the schemes of the devil. I want you to understand that, that Satan is out to attack you. He wants to, he wants to write your story. He wants to get you off, off track. He wants you, you to get back on your own story, take God out of it. He wants, to, he wants to write the story where he's the center of it, okay? Um, as a matter of fact, you know that the, the name Satan, okay, comes from the, from the Greek root word diablos, all right? The devil or diablos comes from the same root word that means to split, And so this is what Satan is. He is a splitter. He's a divider. He's a wedge driver. Um, You can look at his power everywhere. When you see Satan's up to work, you know it's because people are divided. Right now, we live in a country that is divided, don't we? And when when you're seeing all this division, you know who's up at work? You can't just say it's a failing, failing government or wrong people in office. No, 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 no. There is a division. Satan is working and he divides. He divides people. He takes families and he puts a wedge in and he divides. All the way from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Satan comes in and he puts a wedge and he splits. He divides Adam and Eve from God. Fellowship is broken. And this has, been, this has been what he's up to. So in the scripture, we find Satan. Here's, here's some of the names we see for Satan. And I'll put a list of them up here. He's called the serpent. He's known as the tempter. He tempts you all the time. Uh, he's known as the enemy. That's probably the, the, the name that I refer to for Satan the most. He's the enemy because he is at odds. He is at opposite of the direction you are going with God. God is taking you on a path this way. Satan's coming upstream and he's saying, coming, it's like you're going against the grain. Satan's like, uh, 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 he, he's your enemy. Uh, he's the evil one. He's known as the evil one in the scripture. He's the prince of demons. He is the father of lies. Understand this. Satan is always going to talk to you. He's going to speak to you and try and get you to believe something that you're not. He's going to try and get you to think that, that God doesn't love you. He's going to try to think that, get you to think that you're missing something by following God. That's what he did all the way from the very Garden of Eden. He's a the, he's the murderer. He's the roaring lion. Scripture tells us he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is, he is ready to devour at any given moment. Uh, he's a deceiver. He's a dragon. And look here in 1 John chapter 3, 8. Jesus, the, the reason that Jesus came, and, and uh, 1 John, John tells us here, he says, the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. The reason that Jesus came. So last week we looked and we saw that, that, that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. But here in 1 John 3, 8, we see that, the re, that another reason he came was to destroy the works of the devil. So I want you to understand that there's a collision. Your life has collided with Christ, but the enemy wants to try and get you onto his path. 
The enemy wants to try and rewrite your story. The enemy wants you to, to, to disarm and just, just be concerned with things of this life and, and not see the, the eternal side of life. Uh, we're going to look this morning at three tricks that the enemy will use. Uh, the, the enemy, Satan, he has three tricks. Uh, I think there are many, but these are three pretty big ones. And Jesus shows us how he dealt with them in the wilderness after a 40-day fast. He shows us how that we can deal with it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I want you to look here because this is kind of interesting to me, that Jesus went into the wilderness. He didn't randomly go into the wilderness. Who took him to the wilderness? The Spirit. He was led up by the Spirit. He goes into the wilderness. And the reason, why was the reason he was there? To be tempted by the devil. Kind of interesting that the Spirit of God would take the Son of God into the place of temptation. But, uh, but here's, here's what happened here. God did not tempt his own son. James tells us, the book of James tells us, don't, don't think that when you're tempted that you're tempted of God. He says, let no man say when I am tempted that I am tempted of God. Because God is not the tempter, that is Satan. All right? But God led the Son of God, God the Father leads Jesus, the Son of God, into the wilderness for a time of testing. This is a time of trial. And through this time of trial, he becomes stronger. He, he grows. Um, and so I want you to understand that in your life, you will grow as you face temptation. God is leading you. God is directing you. He's guiding your life. But there's going to be times that you're going to be in temptation. You're going to have the enemy who's going to come at you. And you're going to have times that, you're, you're, that, that, that will turn and you will feel like this. Have you ever heard that phrase, all hell broke loose? Have you ever heard that, you know? Somebody said to me after the first service, I didn't know you were allowed to say that in church, you know? Um, all hell broke loose. When you think of that, you think of like, man, everything, all evil took place. Uh, it, it's just like, it's, it's a terrible thing. I say that from time to time. You say that from time to time. It's like, wow, this was a terrible thing. But I want you, you to understand that hell doesn't break loose. God's in charge, and God's guiding your life. And when things are falling apart, this is a great time for God to work in your life. Don't run from him at that moment. Uh, you, you may fi- face trials, you may face temptations, but they are actually a time of training, they're a time of purification, they're a time of strength building. So God is still writing your story. James 1, verses 2 and 3 say this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. He wants you to understand this, that God loves you too much to leave you undeveloped. God loves you too much to leave you immature. So as you come and, you work and you're, you're walking in your life and you're working in your life and God takes you and you, you face a time of a trial, you face a time of a temptation, guess what God is doing? He says, uh-huh, I'm growing you. I'm going to take Ken Barner and I'm going to grow him. And, 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 no, no, it, it, Satan is the tempter. God is not the tempter. But and when we face that, God takes that bad and turns it into good. He takes what the enemy intended for evil in your life, and he uses it to strengthen you. So when you face that moment of temptation and you're able to resist it, the scriptures tell us to resist the devil, flee from evil, and he will run from you. So when you, when, you, when you start to exercise that, all of a sudden you start to grow. And you, you develop, you become more mature. Uh, Hebrews 12 says this, But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. 
For, the mo- for at the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God takes, and, and these are times of stretching, times of growing, and Jesus is in the, in the wilderness now, and he's, he's, uh, he's fasted for 40 days, and he comes up with this temptation. The, uh, the enemy has come to tempt him. 2 Corinthians says this, um, so, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. In other words, Satan isn't going to take advantage of us because we know he's up to trouble. We know he's up to mischief. We know he's a tempter. He's a father of lies. We know these things. So as we know this, as we live life, we are not going to be ignorant of his schemes. So when you go to work tomorrow, when you go about your business the rest of today, understand that you are going to be facing temptation. And it's not wrong to be tempted. We all are tempted. But it, it's, it's whenever we say yes to the temptation that the sin comes in. I remember for years I used to think, man, is there something wrong with me because I face the same temptation over and over. No, it's called human. And humans face temptation. As a matter of fact, look here as we continue. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. Now, I'm going to give you a little insight here. That word hungry in the Greek means that he was hungry. Okay? Check this out. Here's Jesus, 100% God, 100% man. Let me tell you what happens when you don't eat for 40 days. Not from personal experience. I might be able to tell you about 40 hours, not 40 days, right? When a man hasn't eaten for 40 days, he's tired, he's famished, he is hungry. In modern terms, he's hangry, right? You you know that? I I know in our office, I can't even have a meeting if we've missed lunch. It's really tough around here, folks, you know? They get hangry, right? You got to have food on time. Jesus was 40 days and 40 nights. He is famished. He is weak. He is tired, And you say, well, he was God. Yes, he was God, but he was also man. And when a man does not eat, he is tired, he is hungry, and he is now at a weak moment. And so the first trick I want you to see here this morning is that we know that Satan, the enemy, will attack your weak spots first. He will come to you. you your life has collided and God's, God's working in your life and now the Satan comes, he's gonna come at you after your weak spots. He's gonna tell you, okay, look here. And here it is, here, here it is. This was the time that Jesus was, was hungry. And he tempts him, he says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones, he sees a bunch of stones, he says, make them become bread. You know what he was saying? He was saying, meet your own needs. He's saying, take your powers of God and make some bread for yourself. He was saying, work to meet your own needs. Take matters into your own hands. Leave the the eternal perspective, leave all that out. And Jesus has another lesson, doesn't he? When Jesus taught us to pray over in Matthew chapter 6, he said, this is how you should pray. And one of the lines in there was, give us this day our daily bread. God's way was to pray for bread. Satan's way was 
Use your powers, take matters into your own hands, and take advantage of the situation and make yourself some bread. Satan says to work for bread, take matters in your own hand. And then he goes, and Satan says, by the way, if you are the son of God, if you truly, really are the son of God, when he says that, you know what he's saying? He's saying, um, he, he's, he's saying I'm going to challenge your identity. And this is another tactic of the, of, of the enemy. He will raise a question about your identity in Christ. All the time. Here was Christ. This is the Son of God. And the enemy's coming after him. And he's saying, he's attacking him. And, and as he attacks him, he's coming. And, he, and not only does he get him in his weak spot, now he goes after his identity. He says, are you really the Son of God? If you're really the Son of God, you would do this, right? And that's what happens to us. Our question of identity. You are a child of God. There is no greater position in this world. Nothing is greater than being a child of God. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Your bank account may not be very big, but your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I tell the Lord every now and then, could we have a few steaks out of that, Lord? You know, it'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it, you know? But you know what, it, it, listen, your father, he, he, ha- he has everything under control. He has the entire universe at his command. And so as, as he is, is, uh, is leading the universe, he cares about you, and he calls you his child, and you are his child. So whenever the, Satan comes to you and raises a question about your identity, remember, don't even sniff the bait. Don't even go after it. This is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't even sniff the bait. Look what he says, Matthew 4, 4. But he answered, it is written. If, you're, if you have a, a Bible and you're following along with your Bible, I want to encourage you to take a pen and circle that phrase, it is written. Because this is how you conquer temptation. Jesus didn't come and use some, some uh, supernatural power that we don't have. He used the supernatural power of God's word. Uh, he, didn't have, he, didn't, he didn't perform, there was no hocus pocus, no magic words. He comes out and he says, it is written, and he quotes God's word. He quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How did Jesus overcome temptation? The same way that you and I will overcome temptation, by the word of God. He quoted him, he says, Satan, take that. Satan, take that, uh, and simply remembering and quoting Scripture. So, so underline that phrase, it is written. It is written. The, the next thing he does, the next tactic, is he gets him to show off. He's trying to get him to show off in church. Look here, Matthew 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the Son of God, here he is going after his identity again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written... Now, Satan here says, I'm going I'm to play the game a little bit. And he comes back and he gives him a scripture from Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. But Satan conveniently leaves a, a small part out. Uh, he says, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Um, temptation is not limited to the, to the desert, folks. Temptation is right here in church. Uh, he, says, he says, you know, the, the tactic that I see here is that he wants to tempt us to show off in church. You know, we, 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 can, we can become people that I'm proving something. I'm going to prove by, by you know, serving. And, and listen, serving is so important. We, that's what we do. 
I'm going to prove by singing. I'm going to prove by my talent. I'm going to prove by, by whatever it is that I do in church and, and get other people's attention. And I love what Jesus said when he was teaching the Lord's Prayer. He's like, hey, listen, if that's all you want, you, you can have that. But he tells you, go, you want to meet with God, get alone, get in private and meet with him and, and give him the glory. If you just want praise of men, you can have that. That's very short-lived. And so, so that's, what, that's what he was saying here. He said, he, he, you know, Jesus responds to him. Uh, he, he refuses because he doesn't have anything to prove. He does not have to prove anything. He is the son of God. He didn't have to prove to the devil. And I want you to understand, you are a child of God. If you have trusted Jesus as your personal savior, you've made that, you've had a collision with God, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You don't have to come in here and prove anything to me, prove anything to your neighbor. You, you just live this life. Now, what happens when, whenever we start serving, whenever we start growing in, in our faith, and it, it's like this. It's like a coffee cup that is full. And somebody bumps into you when you're carrying a coffee cup. What happens? The coffee comes out of the cup. So whenever you bump into somebody who's a growing believer, guess what happens? Stuff bumps out. And it's good stuff. You get to serve. You get, you get to be joyful. You get to have life. These are good things that come out of that coffee cup, right? Well, so out of our life, we're, gonna, we're not trying to prove anything. Man, you bump into a believer and these things come out. So Satan says, prove it. And God the Father, God the Son here in the wilderness says, I don't have to prove anything. So, so my encouragement today is don't be sucked in by that. Don't be sucked in by the impress other people. You don't have to impress nobody. Aren't you thanking God for that? That's why I love our church. Man, we got people, we got messes everywhere. I'm mine, I got my own mess, right? But God says, I love you. And he says, come on in and we'll, we'll deal with it. And, and, God, and I'm watching God transform messes all over the place. And it's not, you know, there's no, no set of rules when you walk in. Hey, you must, you must clean up. No, God says, Come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's what's happening in our church. Um, the third thing, I'm sorry, verse 7, he says, Jesus said to him, again, as it is written, and he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus defeats him. Uh, and Jesus keeps, keeps refuting him. And here's the principle. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So as he does that, Jesus defeats him and once again, here comes the tempter. He comes back, round three. Now I'm thinking, what is wrong with Satan? This is, this is the son of God. This is not just any other man. What is wrong? Why would Satan even want to tempt him? Why would he even go at it? And here's what happened. When Adam came, Adam was the first human. Satan was there in the form of a serpent and he tempts first Adam, and Adam falls. Well, the apostle Paul referred to Jesus in the book of 2 Corinthians as the last Adam, or the second Adam. In other words, here's what happened. When, when the first Adam came, Satan got his way, and he's been tempting for thousands of years ever since. When Jesus came, he thought, hmm, this is a man. God took on the form of a man, and he comes to tempt him. And his, his goal is, if I can get him to fall, then I'm going to win. And he doesn't understand that there's something greater at stake, that God has a bigger plan, and God is not going to let his son fall to that temptation. And he gives us a way 
to conquer temptation the way Jesus did by Scripture. The third tactic that the enemy will use is that he will promise you heights that are higher that he cannot fulfill. The enemy will promise you heights that are higher that he cannot fulfill. Folks, let me say this before we read this here. This is the highest high you're ever going to get on Jesus. There's no drug that can get you close to Jesus. There's a, 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 here's the height of Jesus. There's no bank account that can fulfill you like Jesus. There's no drug that can fulfill you like Jesus. Oh, you may get temporary. You may get a temporary high, a temporary joy. There's nothing that is lasting and as deep and as, as heart-filling as a relationship with Jesus. Look here. Again, verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And right there, Satan let out his true motive. He wants you to worship him. You say, well, it's just temptation. The underlying motive for Satan attacking you is he wants to rewrite your story and he wants you to worship him. Oh, no, not going into a community like this and sing songs. Oh, no, not read a book of his, but to be totally sidetracked and give your affections and put your attention on something that's not eternal, something that will, that will be a waste of your life and a waste of your time. He wants you to worship him. Thank God he gave us the ability to worship the true God. Amen? That's why we come together every Sunday. Because I need to get back on track. When I get together with the family of God, guess what happens? I get back on track. I'm encouraged. I find, wow, look, man, I had a rough week struggling this week. And I get back on track. I want to encourage you, keep following the Lord. Keep worshiping the true and living God. Because all the things of this world will leave you empty. They will leave you short. You will be hurt when you put, and this is what the devil does. He always comes and he tries to get you to settle for something less. Look what he did here in verse 10. Jesus responds to him. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. He says, Satan, be gone. Get away from me. He resists the devil, and he quotes to him Deuteronomy 6.13. So three times he's tempted, three times he answers him with a verse. He's up. He says, look, I'll give you all this if you'll just worship me. And God the Father looks down upon God the Son and he sees this battle taking place and God the Son responds with the word of the Lord and he says, he doesn't say this is how I feel he doesn't say this is my strength this is my power he says, it was written the Father already said no and I want to encourage you to do the same in your life to tell Satan in some areas listen, there's some areas in your life and you know the struggle you know your weak spot I know mine I've got about 15 weak spots he attacks me there all the time you know how I'm going to defeat him? just like Jesus did one temptation at a time and one scripture verse at a time and start to memorize and place it into your heart and be able to respond say God, Satan, be gone God, give me the power to say no 
to the tempter, to say no to the enemy who is seeking to destroy my life right now. He wants to destroy my marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your job. He wants to destroy everything that is good and perfect because that comes from the Father. But the tempter says, "Uh uh-huh, come in. As if God turns his head, huh? As if God somehow turns his head. Satan wants worship, but God says, worship me. In Isaiah 14, we see Satan said this. He said, I will ascend to the heaven. You see, he wanted to draw the story with him as the, as the hero. And Isaiah quotes what Satan said when he was fallen. He says, I will ascend to the heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mountain of the assembly in the far that reaches of the north. I will set above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Satan wants to take God's place. Guess what? God's not moving. Satan covets the throne of heaven. Guess what? God isn't getting off the throne. Satan wants to win you to his side, but God says, I will never leave you. I will never let you go. You're his child. If you trusted him as your savior, you're his child once for all forever, and he has a hold on you. He says that no man will snatch them out of my hand. You know what that means? It means this, God is not turning away and looking at his, not looking at his children. He knows everything. He knows the tempter. And I know that from Hebrews right here. As I close with this verse this morning, Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest. This is Jesus. He intercedes before, to the Father for us, okay? We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Did you catch that? Jesus knows your weakness and he sympathizes with them. But one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Think of your temptation. Think of your weakness. Think of all those areas. Jesus said, I already know because I responded no to the enemy. I know how to conquer this. So if you want victory in your life this morning on some some areas that, that have really hurt where Satan is stealing and killing and destroying your joy. If you want victory, come to Jesus because he knows how. He already conquered it once when he was here. He's going to give you victory. Verse 16, let us then. So in this context, in the midst of our weakness, let us then come with confidence, draw near to the throne of God because he hasn't left it. Draw near to the throne of God that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You know that the verbiage there in the Greek is written like this. In a timely fashion. There's a timely fashion. It, we shout out to God and in a timely fashion, he runs to our need. You're being tempted. You call on the Lord boldly before the throne of grace and he runs to your need that's pretty powerful let's close in prayer with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning I want to encourage you to to go as we leave this place today let's live in victory let's continue to let God draw the story he's writing another chapter of your life uh, his, he has collided with your life, but the enemy wants to steal it. He wants to kill it. He wants to destroy everything. But Scripture told us this morning, we know his schemes. We're not ignorant. We know 
that we will have victory and we see how Jesus modeled for us victory. Lord, be with your people as they respond to you. Father, for those in this room that need to trust you, I pray that this morning they will open their heart and just trust you. And if you're sitting in this room this morning, you say, Pastor Ken, I need to trust Christ. Would you just open your heart to him and just tell him, dear God, I need a savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. I invite you in right now. Transform my life. And for others, maybe you just need to lay your temptations before the Father. Your failures, your weaknesses, and say, God, I need your strength. Because according to your word, you will give me victory. Be with your people as they respond. In your name we pray. Amen. We stand in response to that. Sing that Lord is holy. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you back here next week.